0: Have you been stressed, anxious, or worried? Have you felt pangs of loneliness in recent times? Are you longing for greater connection with others in the world around you? In a phrase, are you looking for happiness? You are not alone. Millions of others are seeking this feeling of spiritual, mental, and physical wellness too. This podcast explores the underlying causes of unhappiness and shares with us the secrets of rewriting the frequent thoughts and redirecting the common behaviors that keep us in that state. Join forensic psychologist and best-selling author Dr. Nihal and her guests as they dive deep in the realm of psychological wellness and explore ways of finding happiness on demand.
1: Welcome to this podcast. I'm Alan Edwards. Uh, Today we will hear from clinical psychologist Dr. Joan Nihal. She's a best-selling author, the Wall Street Journal best-selling book, Happy is the New Healthy, is a book that's a must-read. Today, Dr. Nihal will be talking about gaslighting. In the last few years, gaslighting has really become a word that a lot of us are aware of. It was Merriam-Webster's word of the year in 2022. It's an important issue, and uh, let's talk about it with Dr. Nihal.
2: Welcome. Thanks, Alan. Let's talk about gaslighting. As you said, it seems to be the term of 2022. Every century seems to find its expression by a mental disorder. In the 19th century, the term was hysteria. Stress and anxiety were the mental health issues, 20th century. And in the 21st century, it was narcissism. In 2022, the term that is frequently heard, as you mentioned, is gaslighting. It's actually very disturbing because it causes a person to eventually do two things that are unhealthy for themselves. The first is questioning their sanity. They think they're going crazy. And secondly, it damages their self-esteem because of their loss of ability to perceive reality correctly. By constantly getting feedback from the gaslighter that you didn't see what you thought you saw, you didn't hear what you thought you heard, you aren't experiencing what you think you are experiencing, and for sure you can't remember things correctly, you begin to believe that there must be something very wrong with you. Over time, gaslighting effectively disconnects you from yourself, your feelings, from your ability to know what you want and do not want, what you know to be true about yourself and others. It can eventually strip a person of their core sense of themselves, leaving them feeling dependent upon the gaslighter to define reality and provide approval and confirmation of what is real. And that's frightening, by the way, because you begin to distract your ability to know whether something is true or not, whether you really did something or not, whether you even felt something or had a particular intention or not. Instead of having a strong sense of self, you become uncertain, unsure of what you're doing, feeling, and who you are. I've seen that in my clinical practice. Maybe the version of yourself or of reality offered by the gaslighter is true, you begin to think. You feel weakened by the fact that another person has been trying to convince you that reality, your reality, is absolutely not reality. Just as it leads to major damage in our ability to trust ourselves, it can lead to major trust issues in relationships. And as Laura Morton pointed out, it can lead to anxiety and depression. Gaslighting, according to Dr. Varma, is a colloquialism that refers to a form of psychological abuse, manipulation, intentionally meant to undermine a sense of reality and make you question what you know and believe to be true. It's done usually by someone trying to gain power over you and to erode your sense of confidence. It's when someone distorts the truth and makes you doubt yourself or makes you feel that you're going crazy. The term gaslighting has been looked up in the past 12 months and cited across a number of publications. In 2022, the term gaslighting had an increase in lookups by 1,740 times. The term has been around since Patrick Hamilton's 1938 play called *Angel Fruit, in which a character constantly dismisses and berates his wife to support his toxic masculinity. And later on, Alfred Hitchcock produced a film called Gaslighting, and again, the same theme. Recently, the buzzword gaslighting has gained popularity as television and film have adapted it into the fabric of our culture. Dr. Sarkos illustrates this in her book entitled Gaslighting. She talks about how this term applies to other aspects of life, including but not only romantic relationships, friendship, workplace politics and family dynamics. And of course, social media fueled the further use of this term as more and more users across the globe transparently shared situations in which they were gaslit or were gaslighting others. As Dr. Varma says, since a few decades ago, the use of this manipulative technique has expanded to include a wide variety of situations where a person's experience is being minimized, dismissed or invalidated. Now, we tend to think of gaslighting in romantic relationships, but one of the most common scenarios where gaslighting is present is in the context of friendship, and I think you might find it of use. If you've ever experienced a friend instigating rumors or creating gossip or lies about you that are far from the truth, that's a form of manipulation. Why would your friend be doing this? It may be because of jealousy, Increased comparison among friendships, friendship groups, narcissistic characteristics within the person. It could be a variety of things, a potpourri, if you will. Now, what are some of the signs that a friend or romantic partner is gaslighting you? Here are some of the red flags. And I quote directly from clinical experience. You don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. You're neurotic. You're a basket case. It's all in your head. This form of psychological weaponizing, which differs, by the way, from disagreeing with someone, can be damaging because the accuser is trying to shift blame on you or attack your perspective instead of accepting responsibility or meeting you halfway. To exacerbate the situation, trying to defend or confront the other person can only instigate them further, so you're in a no-win situation. Now, how do you deal with someone gaslighting you? If you're in a situation where someone does something upsetting, such as excluding you from plans or even makes fun of you, there are ways to handle this gaslighting behavior. Spot the signs. Notice any gossip or untrue statements about you that are being said by others. If you worry that a friend is responsible for spreading this misinformation, start by limiting how much personal information you're providing that person and take a step backwards away from that relationship. How about establishing boundaries? That's very effective, by the way. Say no if that person is trying to contact your spouse or your partner or others that are close to you. If a person constantly puts you down, avoid being in the same space as them to give them further opportunities to make negative comments, stay away from that. If all else fails, break off that relationship. Look, it's very hard to have a mutually satisfying relationship when someone doubts your entire worldview and life experience. The basis of a friendship includes respect and validation. In a gaslighting situation, the other person lacks empathy. The power of social media is important for spotlighting certain behaviors associated with gaslighting. Platforms such as Instagram, TikTok, Facebook are giving users the ability to empathize with others in similar situations. That's good. It gives people an opportunity to recognize red flags. Moreover, it gives people comfort in knowing that they're not alone. Here are some other signs of being gaslit. You question your perception of reality. They persistently lie to you. Their lives are designed to be manipulative for control. Ask yourself questions such as, do I catch my partner or my friend in lies? Does my partner or friend constantly make me question my thoughts or my experience of things? They make you feel insecure by breaking you down very slowly and insidiously. The gaslighter will accentuate the gaslight's insecurities that you told them in trust. Ask yourself, is this person saying things to make me feel bad? They attempt to alienate you from people who care about you. Watch out for that one. They want to separate these relationships because they want to be in control of the narrative. And it's their narrative, not yours. The worst part is they lie about something when you have proof. Gaslighting is all about making the victim question their sanity and reality. So the gaslighter will deny saying or doing something and treat the victim as though they were crazy. They were questioning your memory of an event. They'll deny it ever happened, or they will pretend to forget what actually happened, even when you confront them. They twist the reality of your evidence. And here are some examples. If you're in a relationship, a romantic one, they use love as a defense. For example, I only did it because I love you. Believe me, this is for the best. And they say these things when they do something that you perceive as controlling and wrong. They might use love as a defense for their actions if you don't agree with what they have to say or do. They might sabotage jobs, friendships, opportunities for you. In other words, they alienate you to control you, and then justifying, they justify it by saying, look, I only did it because I love you, because I care about you. And I don't know if you heard the word, Alan, but it's called love bombing. And in love bombing, what happens is at the start of the relationship, the gaslighter will inundate you with gifts, with presents, with things, affection, as a way to manipulate you. They deflect the problem onto their partner instead of taking responsibilities for their own bad behavior. For example, and here's one from my clinic, from a client of mine. Do you really think I would cheat on you? Why are you so paranoid? You know I would never do that. In this way, the gaslighter undermines your instincts and observations. And there's a barrage of constant criticism. They might call you hysterical, ungrateful. Some of them try to control your finances by saying, you know, you really don't have money sense. Let me do that. Or they'll put you down by saying, you'll never find anyone better than me. That's a good one, huh? Wait for the right moment to confront the gaslighter is something I always counsel clients to do. Don't say it when you're hot under the collar. It's not going to get anywhere. It's just going to ignite. It's like pouring gasoline onto a a fire. It's not going to work. Don't do that listen to the other person's response because it'll help you understand why they do what they do now if at all possible i like people to create solutions especially in a friendship you might want to say things like i feel you're gaslighting me right now let me explain myself this is the behavior that i see happening that's a nice way to go about it huh or you might say I'm not saying you're lying, but can you tell me a little bit more so I understand? I don't think it happened this way. That's another segue into it. Oh, I feel like you're trying to insult me and you're hurting my feelings. Can we discuss this? When you've come up with a solution, you might want to say to the gaslighter, remember what we talked about, what the solution was? Come up with a way for both of you to move forward and make sure to hold this person accountable, just like you would be accountable so that you can become better friends. And if all fails, all else fails, cut ties. Remember, it's up to you to decide who is worthy of your friendship. And I want to repeat that because I think it's very important. Because when I see someone who is a victim, it's hard for them to accept that it's up to them to decide who is worthy of their friendship. Friends who gaslight you don't deserve to be your friend. Be careful. Do not accept a gift from a gaslighter because they might come back and accuse you of stealing it. If only to have more control of the relationship. That happened to one of my clients, by the way. And then they get to turn the spotlight on themselves and be the victim. See, I got I got robbed. Don't give them the responsibility of taking care of anything that you love, because invariably they lack empathy. And above all, don't rise to the bait when they try to taunt you. Don't let them get a rise out of you. Now, why does it happen? What's the purpose of a gaslighter? What's their MO? Well, it's a way to keep someone you want to be in a relationship with you by being abusive. It's a way to feel better about yourself when you put someone else down. A gaslighter will typically enjoy power and control. But there are other reasons why a gaslighter becomes a gaslighter. It could be because when they were children, one or both of their parents were gaslighters. So it's a pattern of learned behavior and a survival mechanism. There could also be mental health conditions that underlie the reasons why a person becomes a gaslighter. And I'm thinking narcissistic personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder, or borderline personality. These personality traits usually have an inability to take another person's perspective into account. They also are typified in their behavioral repertoire by showing a utter disregard for other people's rights. So I would suggest if you are a victim that you need to commit to breaking the cycle of abuse. Seek help from someone who is impartial. Be patient as you start the marathon because it's a marathon, not a sprint. You took a while to become a victim. It will take you a while to break the cycle. So give yourself a reward for every small step you make to break the pattern. Focus on things that you can be doing extraneous to the relationship to bolster your self-esteem, join a workshop, pick up a new hobby, hang out with different people. Listen, your your intuition never failed you in the past. So commit to not questioning your thoughts, feelings, and perceptions, but rather commit to owning them with respect. Here are some questions that I use Uh, that you might find of use. What were some of the side effects you experienced when you were being gaslit? How did it make you question your reality? You might want to stop right now and write some of these down because they are useful. They've helped clients of mine. What did you do to make things turn around? How did you turn around that cycle of blame, attack, defensiveness? If you left the relationship, what was the final straw that made you leave? How did this experience affect future relationships? How does it affect your ability to trust? Your ability to trust your intrapersonal relationship or your relationship with yourself and others? Did it make you feel like a failure? One of the things I want to underscore is you're not a failure. The relationship with a gaslighter failed, but you didn't fail. And that's a very important distinction to help you raise your self-esteem. Now, I've given you a sense of what gaslighting is and how it affects our relationships. More important, our relationship with ourselves or what I call your intrapersonal relationship. But here are some caveats that I thought of when I prepared this talk for you. I think we have to be careful about labeling people with the term gaslighting. If you don't like what a friend does, you might say to your friend, here are some of the behaviors that are causing me to feel and then blank, fill it in. Just don't say to your friend, you're gaslighting me. You have a different opinion from your friends and when you bring in a term like gaslighting, it makes it impossible for you to even enter into a conversation with your friend labeling helps me to not have to deal with you remember that but it would create more isolation and fragmentation that's what labeling does it's not good so i think that when we label people and put them in boxes it can be problematic for example the in thing a couple of years ago was attachment theory i don't know if you knew this but if you start labeling yourself by that alone for example i have insecure attachment issues what are you saying about yourself? Haven't you limited yourself onto to the procrastinate bed of self-doubt? Why do you want to reduce yourself to one over another important label? Don't label yourself. Another problem is that it puts clinical terms in the, into the hands of non-clinically trained people who can then weaponize it, and I've seen that time and again. Therapy is a highly relational, nuanced, and contextual Conversation, as Esther Perel says, and I agree with her totally. And that's a very different type of conversation than what you'll get on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or from your friends' conversations. I think if you feel that you've been a victim of gaslighting, it might be useful to start a conversation with a trained therapist of your choice, someone who can navigate you through these choppy waters and with the expertise and training to do so because then you're given objective, unbiased feedback. In the past, as I was saying to Laura Morton a few minutes ago, therapy was something you didn't talk about, or if you did, you experienced embarrassment. Now, however, there's, to a certain extent, a destigmatization of going into therapy, which has benefits. We're talking about a person being open to self-awareness, self-reflection, hence the popularity of therapy, even though there's still a stigma, but it's smaller now. And as I mentioned before, try saying I don't like what you do versus saying you're gaslighting me. That's a far cry from saying that you have a different opinion than mine, than when you use the term gaslighting inappropriately. It it makes it impossible for you to even enter into a conversation with the other So I say, use the label to understand what's going on, but in conversations, describe what's going on that's causing you stress, anxiety, feeling that you're losing your mind, and so on. Thank you for listening. Alan?
1: Joan, it sounds to me like uh, people who are gaslighting others make others feel bad about themselves, or at least not good. And would you recommend disassociating with people like that? Even a spouse?
2: That's a loaded question. Here's the thing. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on in my talk, I think it's important to take a step back. I'm a strong proponent of going for therapy if you can afford it. And if you have the means, go for therapy, discuss what's going on. But prior to therapy, there are things you can do with your spouse or your friend. I think that's a very good question that you ask. I mean discuss with your partner what you see going on that's problematic to you. Now, if the person is a genuine 100% gaslighter, he or she is going to deny it and say, it's all in your mind, you're crazy. And at that point, you can say to the person, I'm having difficulty with this. And you can do one of two things. If you've tried and nothing happens, all else fails, I say back away from it because it's toxic. It's abusive. It's controlled. If you looked at Hitchcock's movie Gaslighting, you'd see it there in all of its ugly forms. I say any relationship in life that's manipulative, that's abusive, that affects us to such an extent that we're questioning our judgment is something that we need to stop because we were born with high self-esteem and we don't need to have it eroded. So I say go for therapy. That would be my first, especially if you invested in a relationship, a romantic relationship, with someone else, I think it's worth your while to invest in therapy and try and get it resolved. If it can't get resolved, unfortunately, as I said before in my talk, you need to cut loose because that's like putting gasoline on a fire. You're going to get burnt. You're going to be turned to cinders. That's what your self-esteem is going to do to you. That cannot be good. And I've seen people in my clinic who are really in a very, very bad condition because they're questioning everything. It's amazing, I say to them, it's amazing that you took the plant and came to see me. And they say, I didn't, some of them will say, well, I didn't come on my own. My best friend suggested I come see you because she saw I was going through some of this. Okay, therapy will help, especially in a relationship in which you've invested. But I don't say cut loose and run. No, I wouldn't say that to anyone. I say always there's hope. Let's try. And and remember, optimism is like a muscle. You've got to train it. So we're not going to respond to the gaslighter in kind by de- by denying, by disrespecting, by lying. I would say, no, I've tried to confront. Nothing works. I'm going to go and seek objective help from a pastor, a friend, someone in my my group who can give me objective feedback. And if all else fails, I need to go for therapy. I need to go for help.
1: Is there any help available or any suggestions for somebody who is a perpetrator of gaslighting? Somebody who does it?
2: I like that question. Yes, because I've seen them on both sides of the spectrum in my clinic. I've seen the gaslighter and I've seen the victim. Okay. And that's part of my forensic work, actually, because I will see someone with narcissistic personality disorder traits. I will see someone who is borderline. I will see someone with antisocial personality. disorders now if it's on the spectrum of moderate we can change that in therapy for sure okay we can change that by getting them to work on empathy getting them to look at their behaviors and very often we need to dig deep we need to go back into the past and what's coming up from there that's causing this today and once those traumas are resolved the person can change i've seen change happen but it's a slow process and a painful one
1: well, it's an excellent topic. Um, gaslighting. A lot of people know the term but have difficulty defining it. I think you've done that very well and you've gone beyond that and talk about what victims can do to uh, effect change and what perpetrators can do to stop doing it. Uh, how can people get more information?
2: Uh, you can go through the different regulatory boards we have. The Psycho- psychological association of Alberta, the, psycholo- the BC Psychological Association, they will all have information to give you on it. I mentioned some books that we can that you can also use that will help you with that. These are some of the things I would suggest that you can do. I think gaslighting is such a popular term right now that we can find it in the media. I mean, if a person wants, if our listeners want, they can go to the New York Times, they can go to the Wall Street Journal. There are excellent articles there. As I mentioned, the British Columbia Psychological Association, the Alberta Psychological Association, or the College of Alberta Psychologists, they will all have reference material for people to use.
1: And more information on you and your book?
2: Uh, that you can go to com, which is my website, and you can find out more about my book. If you have questions about this podcast, feel free to throw me an email. I'll be happy to respond to you.
1: Your book is excellent. Uh, it's life-changing to read your book, Happy is the New Healthy, available on Amazon and elsewhere. Uh, well, thank you very much, Dr. Joan Nehall, and thank you for watching this podcast, and we'll see you next time.
2: Thank you so much, Alan. Bye now.
1: Bye.
0: Thank you for joining this discussion on happiness. We hope this helps to inspire you to lead a more joyful life. To dive deeper into the subject of happiness, be sure to check out Dr. Nihal's book, Happy is the New Healthy, available as an ebook or hardcover. For additional resources, visit our website at drnihal.com. Until next time, stay happy.